Welcome to the Voice of Many podcast show with Yolanda and Vanessa. Good evening, listeners, and thank you for joining us. Our podcast would not be possible without you and our sponsor, Z-Funk Productions. Welcome to the show, Miss Marcia. Thank you for sharing the mic with us. Yay, I'm super excited to be back again, ladies. Thank you so much for having me. If you will, Marcia, I know we had a, a great time together when you was with us. For our first-time listeners, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and where you're located. Sure. So, company is called Serenity Adult Family Care Home. It's a five-bed facility in East Orlando. We're right just outside of the Orlando airport. I've been doing this for about six years. And so I get to take care of five really darling ladies, and they're just an absolute joy. So much so that in addition to owning this facility, I'm getting ready to start a new one. And I also co-founded the uh, Residential Home Care Network, which is the advocacy group for the private home care communities. Because I don't know if you know this, ladies, or not, but when people are looking for a facility for their loved ones, they always think nursing homes. Right? Mm -hmm. They never think anything else but nursing homes or the big buildings with fancy chandelier. We are in a private home just like everybody's house. There's no sign on the outside for nobody. It's just a regular home. And so we wanted everybody to be able to find us in one space. So that's why I created a nonprofit. So, yeah, I am busy and I'm excited about it. (laughs) It's also giving them the opportunity. It's more of a home away from home instead of a home in your way, period. You know, because once you go into a nursing care facility, it's totally different. It's more like you're away from everyone. You don't see people. You don't, you know, you're there and you're closed in a place for all types and really the nursing home for those that need higher levels of care that's what they're there for but the average person when they're just in the beginning of decline they don't necessarily need a nursing home so you know and we'll talk a little bit um, uh, further on in our in our conversation today about the different types and costs and all that but yeah there are different opportunities. So I just want people to not just think, oh, man, grandma's getting old. I've got to put her in a nursing home. Right, it doesn't right. have to be that way. Yeah. Right? There are other viable options. Right. And, and, too, in your profession, you've had the opportunity to work with different families, many families, um, make the decision to place their loved one in an assistant living facility and to give them advice. So can you... Share with our listeners a little information on that. Sure. So I will say this. Preparing for retirement, as I learned and discovered as I was caring for my own family, there's a difference, right, between preparing for retirement and preparing for aging, right? Preparing for retirement usually involves, okay, I'm retiring. I'm going to travel. I'm going to volunteer, spend more time with the kids. Uh, maybe even downsize, you know, your home. But then preparing for aging, conversely, aging in place is sometimes different. And aging in place oftentimes is not an option. For example, if you're clearing for caring for someone that declines issues like Alzheimer's dementia, they can't age in place at home by themselves. So now you're looking at, I've got to place my loved one someplace. Because 
you as a caregiver may still have to go to work. Well, what are you going to do? You can't leave them home like me. I couldn't leave her home and go to work knowing that she doesn't understand anything anymore. So, you know, I just, we had conversations with families about when is the right time and, and how to approach it and what kind of conversation should you be having. And these kinds of conversations, ladies, really should happen now while mom and dad are still in their right mind. So you'll know what their wishes are. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Hmm. Yes, it does. The problem is, uh, if they're anything like my family, they don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. You know, Very if, true. if we don't talk about it, then it's not going to happen. Well, yeah, we saw it happen. And so now we had to backpedal. So, you know, making those decisions, it's, it's not easy. But I think if you have it while we're still in our right mind, it's like life insurance. Have those conversations mm-hmm. because you're going to need it. Because when we pass away, we, we need it for the funeral expenses. Don't leave that burden for someone else. That's true. So these are hard conversations. But the biggest thing I see right now is that families are looking at Social Security as a strategy for retirement slash aging. Mm-hmm. Y'all, it doesn't work. Let me give you a real, real example. And I'll just use my family because, you know, we just went through it. Mm-hmm. And Dottie's income was $1,500 of Social Security. Just so you know, in Florida right now, a shared room cost is about 2500 and up. And that's a per month. A private room for a month. A private room is about 3000 and up. And then memory care, which is Alzheimer's secure because you might be exit seeking, is mm-hmm. 4500 and up. Wow. And Dorothy had $1,500. Mm. That was it. To her, for her, we were able to get her on, quote, unquote, the Medicaid waiver program, um, which afforded them the opportunity to bill um, Medicaid for the difference in what the rate was. So, for example, her rate at that facility was 2500 She came with her little 1500 They were able to bill the state because she qualified for the rest of the money. But if she did not qualify for Medicaid, Guess where it's coming from? Wait. Out of her pocket. Oh, wow. Which did not, she didn't have it. She didn't have a house. She didn't have savings. She didn't have anything after working 30 plus years as a registered nurse, but $1,500 on Social Security. Mm. Mm. Hard conversation. Wow. Family structures nowadays, years gone by. Families took care of their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if grandma, you live with grandma. Grandma lived with you. Mm-hmm. It, it was an extended family. Right. I don't see that a lot now. No, no. And if grandma, God forbid, is sick with dementia, I definitely don't see that a lot now. Because caring for someone with cognitive issues is much difficult, much more difficult than someone getting old. Yeah. Mm. Have cognitive issues. She was just old. 
it was easier to care for her because she could talk to you, she could tell what was wrong. But caring for someone with dementia when they're cussing you out? Wow. <laughs> it was not it was not pretty. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share that. Um, so in doing so, I looked at her security. I realized it wasn't enough. So then I had to ask myself, where am I going to place her? Because there are different types of facilities. She wasn't sick. So a nursing home was not an option. Because a nursing home is really for individuals that need high level of care, 24-hour nursing, you know, that sort of thing. That wasn't her. She was that in between. So I placed her in a smaller memory care unit, um, you know, for the start. And she stayed there for about two years. But in doing so, I started looking at all the things that I didn't know to ask when I placed her that I learned later, having been in the business. So I just wanted to share that with your your listening audience today. So they're out, you know, they're approaching this with a family member or a close friend, a couple of things. Number one, consider their diagnosis, number one. And then number two, determine where they would fit, whether it's a private home, an institutional commercial setting, or a nursing home. A private home is fantastic. But if they have behavior issues, they're cussing people out, they're throwing mm-hmm. things, they want to jump the fence, <clears throat> no. <laughs> That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a client once, and she's just as sweet as she could be, but she didn't want to be there. And she kept going in the backyard. It was fenced in, so she couldn't escape. But I want you to know, she went and found something she could stand on. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and she was way over the fence. Help! Help! Come and get me! Oh, no. <laughs> she certainly did. So a private home was not conducive for her, right? She needed a a more secured, locked community where Mm -hmm. she could roll around inside but not be in a backyard where she could go stand on something and wave to the neighbors across, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, the fence. So consider the residential um, depending on the type of, of diagnosis that you have. And then when you go, you want to ask a couple of questions. Like, number one, what's the staff-resident ratio? I mm. never thought to ask. I just assumed they had lots of people to mm. care for all these folks. Mm-hmm. Y'all, they don't. You're looking at one CNA or home health aide that's running 12 to 12 or more clients. That's a lot of people. And then at night, the staffing ratio goes down. So mm-hmm. you may have just two CNAs on duty and there's over 20 people. Wow. Mm-hmm. Ask those questions. So, and visit. I would pop up. I would mm-hmm. pop up people. Yes, I do. Just because. Because I, this was new to me. I didn't know what to expect. And so I would pop up, you know, 9 o'clock at night. Because you can go up to 9 o'clock at night. I'd pop up 8 or 9 just to say hi, see how she's doing. And they let me in. This was pre-COVID, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you begin to realize, oh, my goodness, there's not a lot of staff here. Yeah. Well, what is and the... then the second thing. 
Oh, go, go right ahead. Because I was going to ask you, I know you're talking about the ratio, but how do you go about finding the rating for that facility? Oh, well, there is a website, yeah. There is a website that all of us facilities are listed. Facility Health Finder. And when you go, you put in assisted living, you can query by county. It will tell you if you've got a tag from a previous, a tag means a deficiency. And because someone has a deficiency doesn't mean it's a bad facility, because I've had deficiency, paperwork deficiency, right? But they give you time to correct it, and you correct it and you move on. But it's when you have really bad um, um, ratings. So that kind of gives you, uh, you know, you look at it, you see what their deficiencies were, and was it corrected immediately, or were they uh, sanctioned, are they put on moratorium, where they can't take on new clients. So that's a great place. This is all public record, okay. public knowledge. Okay. So can, that's a great question. Can you can you give us that location again? Because um, I think we lost you. The sound went down a little bit. So we definitely want to make sure our listeners know where to go. Right, it's a facility health finder locator, and what I'll do is I'll text, I'll send it to you on email so that you have it. You can put the the link in. Perfect, perfect. Mhm. But yes, yeah, a great place, great place to look for assisted living, nursing home, you name it, and do it by county. And um, yeah, you, you, everything is there available. How many beds they're supposed to have? Who the owner is? Phone numbers? All of the information is there. Right. And last but not least is, and this was a pet peeve for me, it might not be a pet peeve for anyone else, but how many times a week do they bathe them? Hmm. Simply because sometimes you would hear folks go, oh my gosh, that place smells. Well, there's a reason why it smells. They're not getting a bath, but maybe hmm. twice a week, three if you're lucky, wow. right? Um, then they get a, a quick wash, but that's not enough. For people that are incontinent at that age, and for me, it, it speaks also to, you know, where is the dignity? These were professionals. These were individuals that made a mark on society, grew this country, raised families. Why are we not letting them right bathing them every day? But I fully understand if you don't have enough staff, that's not going to happen in a private home setting that's more likely to happen. Because in my home, everybody gets a bath every single day. Perfumed up, dressed up, hair done, pearls on, just like we're going out. I know the ladies, from the pictures and the videos, um, they all look like they're having a great time. And and that's how it should be, just because we're getting older. I mean, we're going into those golden years. I mean, the retirement years, the aging years. It doesn't mean that life stops. Right. The way you just sit and look yeah. out the window and see it pass by. I mean, you still have right. to be active. You have to keep the old bones uh-huh. moving. So. Yeah, until you can't anymore. Right. And so with me, I do as much as I can, take as many videos and photos, because that's the legacy that will be left behind that's when awesome. they get ready yeah. to transition. Because they will decline. It's a part of life. They will decline and transition. And as that happens, we will be left with beautiful memories and they will have enjoyed the beautiful memories, right. you know, as they're living their life. So that's just me. Um, everybody is different. But I, 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 I think the biggest thing I want families to do is 
start planning from now. It's not enough to just plan for retirement, but plan for what if I get sick. Um, my best friend, I lost to cancer last year. She was 50-something years old. Wow. 50-plus. Nobody would have left a little 8-year-old. He's now 9. I, how do you... We didn't plan. We didn't see that. But she got cancer. And it was a three-year battle. So you, you plan for retirement. But we never planned for that. Mm. And let me tell you, she chose to do the holistic route. Mm. And it was very expensive. But she was determined to fight. Mm. Well, she fought mm. to the very end. But all that money, gone. Right? If you plan, you can have the funds to do it. But if you don't, what do you do? So I want us to just not live in the moment, but I want us to really start strategically thinking about what can I do when retirement is here? What business can I create that's going to give me cash flow ongoing? Because I know Social Security is not enough. Because it's not. It's not enough even when you're healthy. It's true. Because with Dorothy, $1,500 a month, okay. Here in Florida, what's a one-bedroom apartment going for? <laughs> About $1,500 plus. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is there any money left to eat? No. No. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> no. if she's looking to find something for $800, okay, it's so another 200 for groceries. That's 1000 Then we have $500 to pay light, gas. Car payment and anything yes. at phone. You see where I'm going with that? Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. enough. It's not enough. So when you, it's the math, don't work. And I hear too many people going, yeah, I'm excited about when I retire. I'm going to travel. It's one money. Yeah, I had to acknowledge that for my own self. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Because you think about it, you work all that time, you may be making $3,000 a month. When you retire, it's flashed in half. Yes, yes. What are we doing? Right? Yeah. yeah. So whenever any... you have um, a family member that needs to be placed or a transition, how do you find comfort for yourself as well as comforting your loved ones? Who's going through the transition? Yeah, you know what? I share my story because I do have a story with my own family member. So I can share because we have common ground. I can say, I get it. I know what it's like um, to care for someone who doesn't appreciate it, um, curses you out, and this is your family that you love, and you still want to serve them well, even despite that. I can share what I did and what worked and what did not. I can, little things, it could be as you know, simple as, you know what, I didn't visit her during the week for four days, but every Friday was my day with her. And I would clear my calendar and I would go and I would spend the day. We would hit the streets running. Her favorite thing was Chick-fil-A. Mm. And so we would do hair appointments, doctor's appointments, whatever we needed, and then go to Chick-fil-A for lunch. And she looked forward to that. 
So, yeah, that helps us emotionally as caregivers. It frees you up because now you don't feel guilty. I mean, when I placed her, I said, my son cried. Mm-hmm. I did. And I can share that with someone that's looking to place their loved one and go, how do you handle it? You take it one day at a time. It is not easy. And you're going to feel guilty. However, know that it's the right decision if you're going to be working full time. You cannot leave them alone because it's, 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 it's almost elderly because they can't fend for themselves. That's true. So you mm-hmm. take it one day at a time. And I think, too, um, it's better if they continue to see you instead of just placing them in the home and walking away. And yeah, I away. see that happen a lot, is that um, whenever the parent or the grandparent gets to that point, families just place them there and they just walk away. And, you know, it's just it's so unfair, uh-huh. so unfair. I will say it might be unfair from the outside looking in, but we don't know the history of what this parent did to that loved one. And what I discovered when I listened to family dynamics and stories, uh, sometimes these sweet little old ladies um, were not nice to their own children. Mm. And it made it difficult for the children to serve them in their later years. So in their mind, I'm, this is my way of making sure she's okay. But I have to distance myself from my emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. I had to look at it differently because, yeah, I like you. My family, we care. Even though Dorothy was a pill, I, I still took care of her. But that was my family. We do yeah. that. We argue mm-hmm. with us, but we, just, we, we work through it. Right. Some families, the damage is so real, they can. Yeah. And it's okay. That is true. We have to give That's them true. the grace. It's okay. Mm. So I hope that kind of, you know, puts a different perspective. Yeah, it, it, it does. It does. Yeah. Well, I tell you, it has been a pleasure having you with us. Um, cannot wait to have you back, but can you share with our <laughs> listeners what topic they can expect to learn more about doing your nets? <laughs> well, I tell you, um, we haven't talked so much about Step 1 Training Solutions and um, I Spill the Beans Institute. So the next time around, we'll talk about that really great um, training curriculum that I've developed that's now in the marketplace online to help anybody that's thinking they want to start their own adult family care home or their own assisted living community. And so it's on demand once they pay for it. They can watch the videos any time of the day or night. So next time, I would love to come back and talk a little bit more about that. That is awesome. Thank you so very much. Um, there's so much to learn from you, um, helping us to get prepared, um, educating ourselves, and just realizing that we have to think beyond retirement. Thank you so very much, Marcia, for, for joining so us. You're welcome. I thoroughly enjoyed you, ladies. Oh, it's, it's always a pleasure. We love having you. 
<laughs> thank you. So I'll see you all next time. <laughs> and to our listeners, we want to thank you for listening to the Voice of Many podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, please contact us on our many social media webpages. Please don't forget to subscribe to our channel, and we hope to talk to you later.